0: In the world of freedom, Mr. Gorbachev,
1: open this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. It's
0: bin ein
1: This
2: is Radio Goethe Magazine with Arnd Peltner. News and information from the heart of Europe.
3: Hello and welcome to Radio Goethe Magazine. I'm Arnd Peltner. In today's show we talk about books. Books that got lost and are looking for their rightful owner. So stay tuned. But first, the
1: news.
2: Radio Goethe magazine. The news with Nina
1: Paula. Berlin. Green energy is booming in Germany, but experts warn of a cloudy future. Renewable energy made up more than 14 percent of Germany's electricity consumption in 2007, but further progress may be hindered if government support is cut back, according to new statistics. Although wind energy played the biggest role in electricity consumption in Germany last year, Investment is actually falling in the sector, resulting in fewer wind parks being built. The cost of building wind turbines has risen by 15 to 20 percent in the past few years. Germany's fast growing renewable energy sector, employing some 250,000 people, is often criticized for relying too heavily on government support. Berlin Germany's smoking ban spreads more and more through the states. At the start of the year, eight of the country's 16 states introduced a partial ban on smoking in restaurants and bars. Berlin, Bavaria, Brandenburg, Bremen, Hamburg, Mecklenburg, Western Pomerania, Saxony, Anhalt and Schleswig-Holstein joined the three states, already cracking down on smoking. Lower Saxony, Baden-Württemberg and Hessen in the ban. Three more states, Saxony, Saarland and rhineland palatinate will impose their smoking restrictions in February. In July, Thuringia will follow. The latest measures follow the federal government's ruling to ban smoking on public transport from September 1, 2007, which included taxis, buses, trains and planes anywhere in Germany. Berlin The Rolling Stones movie Shine a Light will kick off the Berlin Film Festival Berlinale on February the 7th. The movie from Martin Scorsese includes a concert footage, interviews and archival material. So for the first time the Berlin Film Festival will have people dancing. The director and band are expected to attend the screening. The festival is just a little bit younger than the Stones are. Since 58 years, the Berlinale is one of the most important festivals for introducing new talents and bringing non mainstream stream films to a wider audience. It is also notable for having an audience made up of both the film industry and members of the public. Berlin German hip-hop unfortunately gets as real as in the US. In Berlin's district Neukölln, the rapper Massif was shot three times by a masked man as he stood by his car talking on his cell phone. He was hospitalized and reportedly lost a lot of blood, but he chose to leave the hospital later in the night. Now many are wondering if German gangster rap is finally living up to its name. Although the motive behind the attack and the identity of the assailant are still unclear, there is speculation that the attack could be related to rivalry with other gangster rappers or gangs. Nuremberg. With his decision to hand-rear the Polar Bear Cup Snowflake, Nuremberg Zoo looks set to produce another Knut. Leading bear experts have condemned the move, pointing to the Berlin's bear's increasingly apparent behavioral problems. Others say that polar bears in zoos endure a wretched existence because it's as unnatural as locking a child in a tiny room for the rest of his life. But despite all the critics, the little polar bear in Nuremberg causes excitement all over the world. The homepage of the zoo sometimes crashed down, because thousands wanted to see new photos of the little snowflake. Meanwhile, the little girl has opened her little eyes.
0: Uh, will you state your full name? Julius Streicher. Will you repeat this oath after me? I swear by God. I swear by God. The Almighty. The, the Almighty, almighty Lord, and wissen then. That I will speak the pure truth. dass ich die reine Wahrheit sagen and will withhold and add nothing. nichts verschweigen und nichts hinzusetzen werde. Herr Zeuge, geben Sie dem Gerichtshof zunächst eine kurze Schilderung Ihres Werdeganges. Ich möchte das Hohe Gericht bitten, mir zu meiner Verteidigung eine sachliche kurze Feststellung geben zu lassen. Erstens, Well, well uh, you, you really ought to answer the questions that are put to you. Euer Lordschaft, das kann mein Verteidiger jetzt nicht sagen, was ich sagen muss. Das kann er nicht. Meine Verteidigung hat mein Verteidiger nicht so geführt oder führen können. Wie ich haben wollte, und ich dem das geben.
3: This is the voice of Julius Streicher, the infamous Frankenführer, the leader of the Nazi party in Franconia, Bavaria, and publisher of the most anti-Semitic paper, Der Stürmer. Streicher was brought to justice at the war crime trials in Nuremberg, the city from where he spread his hateful speech. He reigned like a king, treating opponents and especially the Jewish citizens of Nuremberg like lower class, not worthy of living. About 40 million books have been destroyed in World War II. Between 1932 and 1944, the Nazis tried to extinguish every aspect of Jewish life in Germany. Julius Streicher let his Nazi hordes collect all books of Jewish citizens in Nuremberg. In the so-called Streicher Bibliothek, the library of Julius Streicher, he had books of all kind, from French school books to Jewish history books up to Hungarian storybooks. Books from all around the world. A total of about 9000 that are kept today in the city library of Nuremberg. Leibel Rosenberg from the city library has cataloged all these books. In a third of them he found a sign or an ex libris with the name of the person who once was the owner. So he tries to find relatives to get the books back to their rightful owners. Mr. Rosenberg talked to Radio Goethe reporter Nina Paula, who visited him at his workplace.
1: Where we are here now at the moment, Mr. Rosenberg.
3: We are in Nuremberg, a famous German
2: town. We are in the most famous building of Nuremberg, the Peller House, and uh, this the house belongs to the city library of Nuremberg, and we are in one of the magazine rooms on the sixth floor. It's not a public room; it's just for the, for the keeping of our books, and uh, one side of the magazine. Are the books, uh, the famous book collection that used, that was robbed by the Nazis and Julius Streicher, taken away from Jews, Freemasons, people from the church, workers, working class leaders, and uh, those books are kept in this room in the magazine.
1: How did you come to this collection, or the city of Nuremberg?
2: Well, when the the war was over in Nuremberg on the 19th of April 1945, the next day, the 20th of April, the American troops it was uh, was Nuremberg was taken by American troops. Um, there was a big parade, a, a victory parade, on the main uh, city uh, the circle, uh, at city place, the Haupt Hauptmarkt. Um, which was called the Adolf Hitler Platz then, and the 20th of April was Hitler's birthday, and he only, Hitler only lived another nine days before he committed suicide. Um, when the American troops came in here, about 50 Jews still lived in Nuremberg, which used to have about at least 10,000 Jews used to live in Nuremberg before the Nazis came to power. And uh, when uh, the, the survivors, we were only a handful of people, Said we want to start our Jewish life again. We're looking. We need. It's always like that with Jews. First, where can we find prayer books? Where can we find uh, Torah scrolls? And they knew that Steicher had stolen loads of books. So they went to the houses where he used to work and where he used to live, and uh, where the famous newspaper, the weekly Der Stürmer, the most important anti-Semitic paper in history you can say that um, the, the house was still standing, Nuremberg was more or less destroyed but the house the building where the editors uh, used to work for the Sturmer was still there and the books were still there that he used to steal or, or rob or have people steal and rob books for him he never bought a book, he always got it all for nothing um, and they used those books, parts of them, uh, to, to make the newspaper and uh, they found the books, and they found in one building they found Torah scrolls and other things, and then they started uh, to uh, to use them. And then they found the books from all over the world, and, and lots of books had uh, imprint uh, saying this used to belong to the the library of the Jewish community of Nuremberg, but also of the Jewish community of Hamburg, or whatever Vienna, Strasbourg. And uh, the American uh, military government uh, talked to the survivors, they want those books back. I was like, yes, but uh, we don't have no room where to, to, to live and to pray. I mean, there were, people came back from the concentration camps. They came out of hiding. And so we keep it in the city library. And that's where it stayed on. And the Jewish community had all kinds of problems, books, what not, was not. One of the main problems, and so they started to build up Jewish life again, and life went on. Nuremberg was built up again, and book, books were more or less forgotten, forgotten. But uh, a library is a library; we take care of books, so we put them up in shelves and put some signs on them. And we, people knew that we had those books, but nobody knew what kind of books they really were, how many they were. I know uh, more than ten years ago and they came. Focus was uh, was again on those books, and the Jewish community said we don't want those books to be given away. Uh, the, the collection used to be obviously very very big, and most of those books that were found after the war in Europe, and there were more books found than people. You know, 50 million people were killed in the in the or murdered in the Second World War. Um, Jews were only part of them. Huh? That's obvious, but uh, uh, people are more important than books. But on the other hand, books can live for a long, long, long time. And if they have signs on them, if they have writings in them, nameplates, then suddenly a book turns into a historic document. It turns into a bit of memory, and it gets a very strong emotional, psychological, historic ethical, moral, whatever you want, to use uh, importance. A very simple old school book suddenly becomes a memory for a Jewish girl or boy or somebody else. And uh, to find those names in the books is very emotional. And when you find them, you want to know about them. So who were those people? So you start to do research. So you turn into a kind of detective or Sherlock Holmes, um, you have to to use all kinds of instruments to find out who were those people. And even when you find all of them, the names, of course you will not find the people again, most of them are dead. And some people, some families were destroyed in such a matter that no children or grandchildren uh, were were spared, so you have lots of names that are the last memory of people who are completely forgotten most of those people you don't even have graves you know uh, when the nazis killed the jews they did not uh, uh, bury them in nice cemeteries they destroyed them completely so all of a sudden a simple book becomes a big thing and um, what's more, even not more important, but is more impressive is you have this book collection in the famous town Nuremberg, which used to be the anti-Semitic capital of the world because of Streicher. And there is, of course, a, a strange thing about it. If, if you connect Jews and Streicher and Nuremberg and Nazis and all come together in this collection, so it gives the, the whole thing as, as a very strong, uh, also political side and we, as, uh, as uh, people who work for the city of Nuremberg, we uh, have made up our minds, of course, after the war, we want the things to happen again. We uh, uh, were committed from to start from, to uh, tell the world what happened. It's our obligation. So you, you do it and uh, we try and let the world know that we're doing it and uh, we're doing it. Also for the next generations, because there's not many people left today in the year 2008. There are not many people le- uh, left who survived. The children of those people are there, but there's not, not many witnesses left. So those books are the witnesses.
1: So here we are in a, in a part where some special books are. They have a red sign on it. Why, why is that?
2: Oh, we put a red sign on it because that uh, we have a restriction on some books, not to give them out to the to everybody in the public, because those books are against the German law. The books full of hate by the Nazis, not hate only against Jews, hates against communists, hates against Freemasons, hates whatever, whomever they hated. It, it loads and loads, and hundreds and thousands of books were written full of hate. Of course we only have a couple of hundred here and uh, if we make a red sign on it so with people who want to read those books, look into those books, they have to prove first that they need it for scientific purpose. Maybe pupils from schools or school children or students or scientists or whoever say okay I. they have to sign a piece of paper that they're not giving this to somebody else they can read it in our rooms but we also restore those books and we keep them in our magazines and we uh, in our storerooms and we um, want people who are scientifically interested they can read those books.
1: How many books do you have all together here?
2: This collection has about 9,000 books and about one third of those books uh, have uh, some kind of sign in them that, that that give you a trace of to whom they might have belonged sometimes it's very good and you have name and address and picture of the ex-livrers and things like this sometimes you only have first name or second name sometimes you have a name and a, and a place sometimes only have a place but All the things that were found in the books, even little pieces of paper and uh, and, uh, letters and whatever were found, sometimes pictures in those books, people use pictures, you know, to find, oh, where did I stop reading? Uh, All is recorded and it's written in our electronic catalog and then you can look it up. And if you think there might be something here in Nuremberg, uh, you can uh, contact me, the library, and I'll I'll try to find. Uh, but you know, like I said, the figures uh, are not comparable. You have 50 million dead people. About some people say we have about 40 million books were destroyed in the Second World War. And here are only about 9,000. So the chance to find something is not very big, but if it's, it's, it's not a mathematical thing. Even if the chance is very small, we do it. We try to find it.
1: How do you try that? You you find a sign, perhaps, or you find a name in a book. What are the next reaction? You have?
2: Then, uh, if it's a name that, uh, or if I find a sign that uh, that points to Nuremberg or to Germany, then it's comparatively easy to uh, to do research because in Nuremberg we have all the address books. We know who was buried in Nuremberg. We have all the, the those names and the signs. We know about the Nuremberg Jews or the Nuremberg population. And in, in Germany, we have the archives. In Nuremberg, we have a couple of big archives. So you can do research sometimes. Sometimes it goes quite fast. Sometimes it takes you years. If it's a book from Romania, then it's quite hard. Because for one book, I cannot go to Romania. But uh, the things I cannot find here in in print, then, thank God, we have the internet. And the last 10 years since I've been busy doing the thing has seen a big change in historic uh, research. Loads of things have been published in the internet. Lists, A lot of towns have published the lists of the people who were killed in those towns or out of those towns. And you can find them in the internet. So it's... Uh, you can look up Yad Vashem in Jerusalem in the name list and you can look up uh, other name lists somewhere else people from France or from Holland and uh, most countries have published lists like this so if there were Jews then it's compared you have a bigger chance but you always have to keep in mind that people were extinguished in such a way so thoroughly that there's no trace left so then you try to find. If you don't find, then you leave it like this. Then you sometimes it happened quite often. You think, oh, we'll never find anything f- about this person. Then five years later, you find something. Either you find it in another book in your collection, or you find it because some of the other, somebody else found something in his collection and published it. And then um, I, you you put it all in your computer. We all work with computers. Those old books cannot be. Uh, you can do anything with those old books without the modern the instruments of the internet and of, the, of electronics. Otherwise, that's funny because the older the book, the more electronics you need. And uh, you go about it like a, like a, a detective. That's how you do it.
1: And how many people have already called you or uh, contacted you because they found a name on the list? Well. It,
2: it, I, I don't have a specialist, Uh, I've been contacted by hundreds of people, hundreds of people, I've been visited by hundreds of people, and most of the times you don't have anything, but sometimes uh, people call. do you have something about this, and then you find it, and uh, then when we know, for sure, because we want to be correct about this, after all we're still Germans, we want to be correct about it. If you know, in, in a situation where everything was incorrect, we try today at least to behave correctly. Uh, we, uh, if we are sure this was a person that has uh, a real connection to the book. Sometimes mm-hmm. I, I have people here, in my uh, visiting me, who I have I presented with their own books, which they did not know anything about after 70 years that they got as a child. And uh, those people, of course, everybody is very moved, and, and I said, do you want this book back. And some people say, no, we, what should I do with this book? I haven't seen it in 70 years. I didn't even know that it still exists. But uh, and my children, they don't speak German. They can't read the old German writing and printing, and, and so on. There has no interest for us, only an emotional interest. But it has, they understand that it's an historic uh, think uh, and then uh, it's a historic landmark actually and uh, they say oh we're pleased that you publish it in the internet and we know there's a little bit of memory for my grandfather.
1: So I think there will be or there have been and there are still some so many emotional moments for you.
2: Yeah, this the whole thing has been very emotional, and it still is. Not every day is like, a, I mean, you have routine, and you do it professionally. It will never be without emotions. But you don't know what comes around the corner the next day. It, people all just open the door to my room, and they say, listen, I'm, I, my name is this and this, and uh, I'm related to that and that, and that person. And do you have anything? And if you don't have anything, what do you know about my family? Yeah. I find things, Yes.
1: So, do you have an example for such an emotional moment? Or one thing you remember very special?
2: Yes. Um, I found a book in my collection about a person in, the, in the, uh, Nuremberg, woman, a woman, a lady who used to live in Nuremberg, who survived the Nazis, a Jewish lady, and uh, she went in exile. and She came back after the war. And I had a stamp in, the, in one school book of her. Her name is Anna Landmann. Uh, which married a man? Who, she married a man before the war, uh, a man called Steuerwald. And when she came back, and it was quite famous in Nürnberg, uh, Anna Steuerwald Landmann. And I found the book Anna Landmann. I thought this could be her. It's written in the book as a stamp in her. And her son still lives in Nuremberg. So I called him up. Uh, I knew him by chance. I mean, it's all by chance. And I say, Liz, Mr. Steuerwald, uh, why don't you come over to the library? and show you something. So, okay. And he came over, and I sat down with his wife, and uh, he's an old gentleman by now, of course. Uh, we talk about a book that was uh, published 1905, a school book, in French. It, it's, it's of no material value. That's important. Those books have not big uh, material value. They have a big emotional value. I said, uh, do, you, uh, do you recognize this stamp? So I go, yes, that's the stamp of my mother. And uh, uh, yeah, Anna Lundman was my mother. I, of course, I know that stamp. And I said, "Do you want the So Oh, well, no, not really. I mean, um, actually, I'm thinking about whom to give the other 800 books. But that stamp I still have of my mother. I'm old now, and my children are not interested. And uh, can I give them to you those books? And no, not really. I'm not collecting all the books that were uh, that belonged to, to to Jews in Europe. Uh, I, I just take care of the books we have. And say, do you want it back? No, I don't want it back. I'm quite pleased uh, that uh, you you found it, and I'm pleased that uh, the way you handle it. And actually, I want to tell you about my mother. And then we sat for three hours. And. Told me how they, when he was a little boy, they had to flee from Nuremberg and they went to Chile and now they survived. Now, how hard it was when they came back and you nobody know, was interested in them anymore and what a hard life they had. And, uh, and instead of all the things that you have, the school book of my mother, that's really funny. And that's how I've become a little bit philosophical about it. That's human life. The tragic and the funny are so close to each other. Sometimes you you turn one page and the funny thing becomes tragic. And then you the tragic thing becomes funny. Then. And we had, uh, it was, an, uh, of course, an emotional uh, discussion we had. And um, we it, it, I will never forget this day because I, I could feel how important it was for this man to talk about his mother. And, and she's, of course, well known. But what about all those other people who are not well known? And nobody will ever open my door and say, oh, do you have something? of my grandfather or whoever, my uncle or granduncle or whatever. And um, I know nobody will come.
3: That was today's Radio Goethe magazine. Thanks for listening and please sign up for our free podcast at radiogoethe.org or on iTunes. I'm Aunt Peltner. <laughs>